Welcome to episode 135, and today we're talking about buying great toys for our kids. We're going to get out of the mainstream list of the popular toys and think about finding things that really last and foster creativity. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode 135. Today I'm chatting with Lizzie Asa from The Workplace for Children. I first encountered Lizzie on Instagram where I fell in love with the pictures that she posts of her children playing with toys that you might not recognize. Lizzie's family opts out of the mainstream popular toys and chooses toys that will foster creativity and will last for years and years across ages, genders, developmental stages, and a variety of interests. Before we jump into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Warby Parker. I've been wearing sunglasses and eyeglasses from Warby Parker for several years. I like buying glasses from Warby Parker because the value is great. The quality is good. The style is amazing. And they hold up for many years. Also, for every pair that you buy, Warby Parker gives a pair to someone in need. They have stores everywhere, but if you're not near one, you can use their free home try-on program. And I did that recently for a pair of sunglasses, and it was really neat. You get five pairs of glasses, and you get to try them for five days. No obligation to buy. Free shipping and everything. And if you have an iPhone X on their new app, you can do a virtual try-on. So I encourage you to try it out. Go to warbyparker.com forward slash simple, and you can order your free home try-on today. That's Warby, W-A-R-B-Y, Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R dot com forward slash simple. That's where you can order your free home try-on. Back to today's episode. I hope you enjoy my chat with Lizzie. In the show notes, I'm going to put a link to her guide for her favorite toys and also her Instagram so you can follow her along there. As always, leave your questions or comments in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 135. Thanks for tuning in. I'm also going to put a link to my holiday toy guide, which I have strong suspicions is probably going to look fairly similar to Lizzie's. Hi, Lizzie. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Lizzie, I found you on Instagram and your handle on Instagram is the workspace for children. And I love the pictures that you show of your play space with your kids. And I think there's so much inspiration there for parents who are looking for a little bit of a different approach to buying toys for their kids away from the mainstream. Yes, thank you. Our playroom has been a labor of love. It's really our favorite room in our whole house. So where in the house is it? It's actually on our main floor. It's in our main living area, which was, I had to convince my husband to keep it there because, you know, when you move to a house, you want to put the playroom in the basement or like out of sight lines. But I really find that the more I'm able to be there, the more the kids want to be there. And that's on the main floor. So it's just off our kitchen. Yeah, I think there's so much to be said about that. I think we want to make, you know, we have an extra bedroom. We want to turn into a playroom or the attic or the basement. But then so often I hear from parents that the kids never go there and they never spend time there. Exactly. We, in our old house, we moved last summer to New York, but when we lived in Texas, our playroom was the formal dining room. So it was right off the kitchen. And instead of, because we just never really used our formal dining space, we turned that into the playroom. And it was so great because it was right there while I was cooking. I could see the kids. I could interact with them. I thought that was such a such a great spot for it. But you're right, sort of thinking outside the box and convincing your partner sometimes. <laughs> but it's worth it, right? Yes. Yes, it's absolutely worth it. It's become the center of our home. 
So tell me a little bit about your family and your background and interest in this area. Sure. So I, before I had kids, I taught nursery school. I have a master's in early childhood education. And I always knew I wanted to be home with the kids. So when I was pregnant with my oldest, who's now 11, I left teaching to stay home and sort of just develop our own family. And that's how we ended up here. And then we started sharing and it kind of just grew and grew. So how long have you been sharing your life with your kids online? I think about four or five years now. Okay. And how old are your kids? Uh, My oldest, like I said, Nate is 11. Ruby is eight, turning nine. And my little one, Sloan, is five. She just started kindergarten. Ah, okay. So they all, are they in public school? What do they do during the day? They are. They're all in public school now. Okay. So kindergarten, second grade, and what grades are they in? Kindergarten, third, and sixth. Ah, okay. So you have a lot more time on your hands now or no? Does it feel like you're having a little bit more freedom? Well, I would, except we also just grew our family with a puppy who is kind of taking up all my time. And then, and now I'm getting to focus more on developing content for other families. Great. So I love looking at the different things that your kids are playing with because they are definitely outside of the box of most popular toys each year that I see coming up around the holidays. And has this always been the sort of toys that you have gravitated towards for your kids or has that changed throughout the 11 years that you've been a parent? Well, coming from a teaching background and I always taught in a play-based school, I really, really believe in the power of play and learning. I always knew that I wanted to kind of stay away from like clutter and plastic and just having lots of stuff. But, you know, when you become a parent, you realize that the ideas you had before don't always work out. So there was definitely a time, I think, where when my oldest was probably between like six months and two, where I went through back and forth of, should I be getting the toys that the other kids at playgroup have, like the speaking barn and the magnets that make noise? And I definitely did cave and get some of that stuff. And then I just ended up with, we used to live in an apartment, with an apartment filled with toys and he didn't use them. And I didn't like them. So we kind of reined it back in. There are certain toys that have a limited lifespan for many reasons. You know, they break, they fall apart, or they our kids just lose interest in them. And especially in the early years when they're changing so much. What are your thoughts on choosing toys that are really going to last? Is that possible? It is possible. And I can really say that from experience. As Like I said, I have an 11-year-old. And we actually, some of the toys that are in my playroom now, we bought for him when he was one. So our collection of unit blocks, that started with my oldest on his first birthday and his second birthday. He got both years a set of unit blocks. And those are the pinnacle of our playroom now, 11 years later, that the kids are using. And I'll put a link to those in the show notes because I don't think that everyone really understands what unit blocks are. Can you describe those to us? Absolutely. Unit blocks are the blocks, basically, when you think of walking into a nursery school classroom and you see that shelf with the small hardwood blocks of all different shapes, that's what unit blocks are. So you would typically see them in a classroom, not necessarily in someone's home, unless they were maybe a smaller set. But to me, they are the pride and joy of our playroom. They really are. Would your kids agree with that, do you think, if you ask them what was the most used and the most valued piece in the playroom? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know when I first started buying toys, my PhD is in child development. So I wanted to be really intentional about the things that I filled my kids' space with. 
but I felt myself gravitating a lot towards educational toys. And when I say educational toys, I mean sort of like niche kitschy things that seem really educational, but actually have a short lifespan. Mm-hmm. And there's so many on the market. Like you can go into learning stores and be like, oh, this has so much educational value. This is great. I'm going to buy all these things. And you can end up in toy clutter. And I speak from experience in that. Does that resonate with you at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I still sometimes will fall down that hole because I'll see things in one of those stores and think, oh, wow, they could do this and they could do that. But I sort of, I have these kind of three main things that I like to ask myself before I bring anything into our playroom. And that basically is that, is it open-ended? Meaning, is this, can they be anything? Can they pretend anything with this toy? Is their imagination in charge of this toy? Or is this toy in charge of the way they play? I really, and a lot of times with those kind of niche educational toys, they're great because they might want to teach one specific thing but that's not necessarily something we would bring into our playroom. Right. Because you're probably going to bring it in. It's going to get played with a few times and then your kids are going to be done with it. And then you have to figure out what to do with it. Right. And then it's going to take up space. And our playroom is actually small. And I like it that way. Our playroom is small and there are a few things in it. It's not like a crowded big room with lots of options. Right. And I think when we're arranging our play spaces, sometimes we look at the space and just decide we're going to fill the space up. But I know I personally like to have some empty space because I feel like that big open space is the area that kids really gravitate towards to play. I absolutely agree. I mean, I really liken it to the feeling of as an adult, if I walk into like a crowded supermarket with a million things going on, how overwhelmed I feel and how unproductive I am versus if I was able to walk into a small gourmet supermarket with things that are tailored to my needs where there's space on the shelf and it's clean and it's not cluttered, then I can be really productive. Right. And I think that as my kids are growing, they're two and almost five, that I have really been learning as they have grown the process of buying toys and being more intentional about it. And a couple of things that I consider when I'm buying toys is I think about toys as open or closed. Open-ended means, like you said, you could do anything with them. They could be anything. And closed being there's, it's like a work you can complete. Like you do like a puzzle. You finish it and you're done with it and you put it aside and you're looking for the next thing. And I think that there is a lot of value in closed toys. And there's a lot of educational toys out there like that, that, you know, you do it, you complete it, you move on to the next thing. So I don't want people to think that, you know, you can't buy that kind of stuff and it's not good for your kids because there is value in it. You just have to be prepared for the fact that those things are going to have shorter lifespans, right? Absolutely. And we have some of those things. We don't necessarily keep them in our playroom. I tend to use those as something that I'm going to put out for a specific activity or if we're learning a specific skill, or maybe my daughter might like to use those sometimes for like a quiet time activity, but it's not necessarily something that we keep in our playroom. Okay. So finding a way to store those that they're not cluttering up the main area of the playroom with the items that your kids are really engaging with every day. Yes. What would you say, do you have a name for the way that you organize your toys or for your toy philosophy? Is there a way you would describe it? I don't know if I have a specific name for it, but it's definitely intentional and mindful. I mean, I think of the toy, our toy purchases in the same way that I parent. It's Things that come into our playroom or that we use there for a reason. We chose them on purpose. They weren't just something that someone gave us at a birthday party. We just kind of shoved it in and didn't know what to do with it. Oh, that's a really important point because I think that happens all the time. Yeah. (laughs) 
right? These things come into our lives and we don't often don't even know where they came from or how we accumulated all of them. I mean, anything from the bag of little stuff that you get when you leave the party, the little party favor bag to, you know, random holidays, things that your kids talk you into buying at Target. There's just so many ways to accumulate stuff. There really, really is, especially the birthdays and the holidays, for sure. But you're right, it is. It's like almost in the everyday. It's sort of part of our culture, the gift bags. So do you find yourself impulse buying stuff for your kids? Or what does the process look like for you when you add something new? So I wouldn't necessarily say we impulse buy, but I would say that we have a tendency to sort of buy things sporadically over time instead of giving them like a lot of birthday gifts at once or a lot of holiday gifts at once. So for us, I think there is a lot of joy in walking downtown to our little village and going into our local toy shop and choosing something. That said, we're really lucky to have a toy shop in our town that does have some really nice materials. But if the kids want to choose things that I know are just going to kind of just become clutter in the background, I'll usually encourage them to do what we what we say is we visit the toy. So we'll visit the toy and then we'll come home and we'll think about it and we'll see if they're still going to talk about it later. Want to come back, want to purchase it then. And nine times out of 10, they forget about it. Yeah. It's kind of like adults with clothing. I feel like if yes. you home and you're still thinking about it, then maybe it's a worthwhile purchase. But if you've forgotten about it an hour later, then, you know, did you really need it to begin with? Yes. And if it's me who's doing the purchasing, because, you know, I am like everyone else, I see cool things and I'm like, Ooh, I want that. I'll put it, you know, say in my shopping cart on the computer and I'll let it sit there for a couple of days. So I can really think about whether or not it was just kind of one of those in the moment that looks cool or if it's something that really works. Right. And I, I do that too. And sometimes things sit in my cart for like months and I'm thinking like, I want to remember that thing, but I don't necessarily want to buy it. And sometimes I'll put it onto a wish list too. And that, that can be sort of a helpful way to maintain the list of stuff that I'm considering. Yes, I do that too. I have like a saved list and I'll do that. I'll use the notes in my phone, in the folder in my phone and put things there. So I can come back to them if it is something like a birthday or someone asks me, oh, what does so-and-so want for their birthday? So do your kids push for more mainstream toys as they've gotten older or do they buy into the philosophy of the toys that you've been raising them with? So it's really interesting because I am fine of that which is that as my children get older, they value what we have more. And it's my youngest who will still say, you know, she'll go on a play date and then she'll come home and say, so-and-so has this unicorn. Can we get that? You know, she's more interested in the fad toys. And I asked my older two this morning, I said, do you guys wish we had an Xbox or do you wish we had Hatchimals and they looked at me and they were like, no. And I said, you know, why not? And they said, our friends wish they had what we have, which really surprised me. And I said, in what way? And they, you know, they said, our friends like that they can come in our playroom and just play. They like that they can use our art materials that are out for them and they're not cluttered and jumbled and they're not looking for stuff. It really surprised me. So They do buy into this philosophy of minimalism and just having a clean, organized space to work. I love that because I think it can so easily, especially at those those ages, be, I mean, I think kids will be influenced by what's around them and want to imitate the other kids that they see. 
But having kids at their own house and in their own space and seeing that other kids really appreciate the way that they're living, I think that's really powerful. It really is. And I have to tell you, like our house really, I'm proud to say that our house really is one of those houses where all the kids want to come. They gather here and they play here and they talk and they, you know, they do, but even the older ones, they use the material. They still use them. Right. So does your 11 year old still play with a lot of the things that your five-year-old plays with? He does. He does. In fact, the other day, I was just actually writing a piece about this because the other day he was able to, he came in, he still loves the unit blocks, all three of them do. And he came in and he built a really tall tower for my daughter's little, she has these little stuffed mice that she has a collection of that she uses all the time. But then the three of them worked together and they went over to our art cabinet where we keep our art materials and they built out of just loose parts and art materials, a working elevator for the block building. Oh, that's so cool. So they were able to use this, you know, the younger ones had a, you know, they had a pulley and they pulled it up with string. But it really struck me because it was, I was like, wow, okay, this is a kid who's been working with these materials for 10 years now, and he's still able to engage, but on a much higher level of thinking than, say, the five-year-old and her friends were using. And that, to me, is like the beauty of that open-ended material. The material can meet the child where they are socially and academically and developmentally. Right. And I think one of the big misconceptions about this sort of approach to toys is that it's being cheap or it's being a parent trying to control the mess and that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it than that. So much more to it. Do you get pushback at all from extended family members who want to buy more mainstream stuff for your kids? You know, we spent a lot of years where I would feel like I would get like anxious around birthdays and holidays because of the influx of toys that I didn't necessarily choose. And I think it's kind of the same as anything with parenting, right? Like as the years go by, you learn to let go a little bit and you also learn to say no. We kind of have a system now where when the children open their gifts in front of people, we don't necessarily rip the box open. And then after everyone's left the party, we'll usually sit down and say, is this something you want to keep? Is this something you'll use? Or is this something you'd like to donate? Then we put the stuff they're not sure about in a closet where it sits until they're ready to get rid of it. But we just really talk a lot about not wasting the toys by using them once and then shoving them in the corner. That's a good thing to think about because I feel like kids can get really caught up in the moment, especially with holidays Mm -hmm. and parties of just ripping through things and not even realizing if maybe it's a duplicate of something they already have or if it's not something that fits their age or there's so many factors that come into play. There really are. And I think when you can be intentional about it with your children, I mean, we have conversations about this around everything in our home. So it's not, they're used to this kind of concept of like, do we use that sort of a philosophy in our home in general? So it doesn't feel foreign to them when they get a ton of gifts. But, you know, we talk a lot about how we might not need this toy, but someone else might get a lot of joy out of it. So there's that part of it also that they like, you know, they, maybe not my five-year-olds, but the older two who are now almost nine and 11 enjoy that sort of process of figuring out like what they think they're going to use and what they think they can pass on to someone else. I think that that is really important what you hit on there, that it's a whole house mentality. It's not just a toy mentality. And so Mm -hmm. it doesn't so feel like they're being attacked or their needs and wants are suffering. And it's this idea of this is how our whole family operates. This is how we operate about the kitchen stuff, the clothing stuff, whatever it is, rather than just trying to put a 
tight grip on controlling the toys. Absolutely. I mean, my nine-year-old and I were talking about how her backpack was really filled with messy like crumbs and wrappers and papers she was no longer using. And we actually were talking about her backpack didn't feel functional until we cleaned it out. And it's the same thing for the toys. A play, our playroom's not functional when it's a mess. Right. Or when it's overwhelmed with stuff because it's really hard to find what you need or to create when, you are, when it's so cluttered. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about boredom and kids being bored? Because I think a lot of times when people click over to your Instagram, they'll see what I'm talking about, about the toys that you have. I think as adults, we can look at toys that are really simple and open-ended and nondescript and think, oh, these things look boring. Because as adults, mm-hmm. we don't really have a whole lot of vision for toys and for mm-hmm. fantasy play and that sort of thing. So what are your thoughts about how adults view things versus how kids view things? So to me, boredom is magic. I mean, to me, like that gray area is where the magic happens, but that's a lot easier said than done. It's hard to have kids who are walking around saying like, I'm bored or what do you do with this? Or this doesn't work. It takes practice. And I think being bored kind of takes practice. And I think it is about, again, it ties into sort of our whole family value about how like we trust our kids. We trust them to be bored and figure it out. And that's not to say they don't come to me and say, I have nothing to do, you know, but I'll usually say like, hmm, I wonder what you'll figure out, you know, and they might get frustrated and irritated, but I still trust in that moment. It would be easier for me to just say, oh, here, why don't you do this? But instead I can trust that we can ride through that little bit of a rough patch and something magic is going to come out on the other end. And that is when they play the most and when they create the most is when they've been bored And maybe they've complained or not, but I haven't jumped in. I haven't taught them how to use something. I haven't given them a toy that'll do it for them or a project with one outcome. That's when they can kind of trudge through there and then it just blossoms. Yeah. I think as parents, we can get really caught up in this idea that we are responsible for keeping our kids entertained and Mm -hmm. keeping them busy. And that's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of weight to carry. I mean, it is, it's an impossible weight to carry. It really is. And, and it weighs heavy on us. And what I mean, being able to let go of that is very, very freeing. It's freeing, I think, in all aspects, because we can also do things now like go to the beach and I'm not bringing a million things for them. I can say to them, like, go find something to do, you know, and some days that's easier than others. But I know, I trust them. So I know that they will find something to do. And it's the same thing in the playroom. Right. And you have to give them that space to be bored so that they can take the next step and figure it out. Yes. I mean, that's the thing too. I think the difference is my kids have a lot of space to be bored. We really focus on not overscheduling. They ask to be home after school most days. And sometimes I do still feel that tug of, gosh, you know, should I have this one in sewing lessons and this one in basketball? But I really... I'm following their lead. They don't want that. And when they're home, they're productive. They're not home like sitting in front of the TV or a video game. They're home being bored and creating and having that quiet space. And that to me is the best gift I can give them. I totally agree. And it's interesting that you touch on self-doubt in this sort of wondering, should I be buying them other toys or should I be occupying Uh them after school? And that, so you've been at this parenting thing for 11 years and that just doesn't go away, but has it gotten better? 
I don't know if it's gotten better, but I've gotten more comfortable with it. I've gotten more comfortable with the fact that like, I'm not going to feel like I'm doing a good job 100% of the time because that's not realistic. Right. And more confident in being the outcomes, seeing how well your kids play. You've seen the fruits of your labor. Yes. And I see how they're developing as people and I can see how their skills translate. So while yes, I still doubt myself, I think every parent does. I think even parents who probably have adult children doubt themselves, right? There's no I'm sure. book on no. So yes, I definitely still have those feelings of self-doubt, but I've also gotten more comfortable with them. Yes. I think that's good wisdom, especially for moms of young children who are just starting out that those are totally normal feelings. And just because we have them doesn't mean we have to act on them, right? Just because you're doubting exactly. like, oh, oh, is my kid going to be left out if they don't have like every Elsa doll or whatever it is that you're worried about that you can sort of just ponder that and sit with it mm-hmm. and see where it goes without acting on it. Exactly. I love that. Yes. So what about, you had said after school, they're usually doing productive things. Now, do your kids watch TV or have screen time at all? They do sometimes for sure. I'm not like an anti-screen time person, but again, our screen time is sort of intentional. So I'd love to say like our only screen time is a family movie night, but that's not true. Like my kids are spread out in age and they don't like to watch the same things. But I'd say for sure on the weekends, my big two like to like cuddle together and watch a movie. My little one loves to watch, you know, the regular shows that everyone watches, like Sophia the First, the different shows. It's just not part of our routine. So we don't do it every day. It's not something we fall back on. It's more... So usually if they ask me, I'll probably say yes. If they say, can we watch a show? They don't ask me a lot because it's not part of our everyday routine. Do they watch commercials, shows with commercials in them? No, actually, that's a good point. No, they don't because they, if they watch a show, it's usually like on Netflix or something like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because my kids, they don't watch a lot of commercials either and really any commercials. And I kind of wonder how that's impacted the asking for stuff and the wanting mainstream toys because they're just not exposed to it as much. You know, that is, I never thought about that. That is really interesting. I mean, I think as my kids get older, of course, they're exposed to it because they're on a lot of play dates and they're at school and they're, you know, sort of out in the world more than, you know, than they were when they were in nursery school. But yeah, that you make a really interesting point. I don't know. They don't watch commercials. Yeah. And I just wonder, just thinking about parents out there whose kids do watch commercials, if in fact that does have an impact on the asking for stuff, because that can be really hard. And I feel like if they don't know what's out there, is that ignorance bliss? I kind of think it is in our house. I think it's definitely helped to control the wants for things that I don't necessarily want to bring into our home because the kind of toys that you have, Lizzie, and the kind of toys that I have are not things that are on commercials per se. Right, right. I mean, the other thing is, though, I think as a parent who's been at it for a while is I'm comfortable saying no. So, you know, they might ask me for something that I really, it doesn't happen often, but I just, I'm okay with saying no. I just am. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that takes time too. I think that self-doubt and that ability to stand up for what you believe in and your family values that develops with time for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, there are times where they've come home again, mostly my youngest, you know, will say so-and-so has this, like you said, Elsa doll and this, you know, whatever. And I want that. And we'll usually say, well, let's really think about that. And and then she usually won't ask me again. But if it it is something like that, like I'm okay saying no. Yeah. So when it comes to the holidays, do you pick out your kids' toys or do they do more of the picking out? How do you balance that? 
it's kind of tricky. We don't do a big onslaught of toys around the holidays from us. So we're Jewish, so we do Hanukkah, so we don't have Santa, especially for the big two to do more experience gifts. And we just do like one or two big experiences to cover the whole all eight nights. (laughs) So for example, my middle daughter, every year her big Hanukkah present is that we go, we live really close to New York City and she loves it. And so we will go for an overnight, just the two of us to New York. And I'll usually give her like about $20 and she can spend it at the flea market there, picking and choosing what she wants. So something like that. So it's instead of, you know, it's still pretty pricey, but I would rather do that than spend the same amount of money on a lot of toys that we're not going to use. That sounds really fun. And when you said we don't do Santa, there's something that sounds very freeing in that. Because I feel like with Santa comes this expectation for, you know, making a list and all the stuff. But I don't know. I mean, do you feel like being Jewish sort of frees you from that and celebrating Hanukkah? Or, I mean, there are still gifts involved in Hanukkah, though. Of course, there are. And when they were really little, we did do eight, all eight nights of gifting. But we tended to do things, especially when they were really little and they didn't know any different. We did things like one night was a chocolate lollipop and one night was a book and one night was a coupon to like stay up late and watch a show and have popcorn. So it was more things like that than necessarily like a big present that you open. Yeah. So it can be a little bit more thoughtful and intentional and slow. And I love that because you opened one thing per day versus for Christmas, often you're tearing through gifts in the morning and not giving as much thought and consideration to the things that you're opening and appreciating them individually as much. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm thinking about buying toys for my kids, I've kind of, I've been reflecting on this gifting process lately and I've developed this idea of this sort of the idea that toys, when you're gifting toys or things to children, that they're either front-loaded or back-loaded. They're either front-loaded and the kids are opening them and they're so excited about it. And it's really something that looks so much fun and it, you know, all has all the bells and whistles or it's back-loaded and it's something that actually the value comes out later on. So you look Mm -hmm. at it, it's like a set of unit blocks, right? What kid is really going to light up over a set of unit blocks on during the holidays or for a birthday? it doesn't look as fun and it's sort of hard to appreciate those things in the moment when you're unwrapping gifts. Have you seen that with your kids, this sort of a difference in enthusiasm when they're opening different types of gifts? I love that. I mean, I think though that enthusiasm, I mean, as you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself like, wow, you know, is that enthusiasm? Like, is that for us or is that for them? Right? Like, us being able to see them like freaking out over the biggest toy. Yes. I mean, and there is something to be said for that, but I like that idea of it just unwrapping itself over time and discovery. That's harder for kids to appreciate though. I think it's harder for adults to appreciate because like you said, it is very much for us and for that enjoyment that we're seeking as Mm -hmm. much as it is for our kids. And I don't, I mean, but that's okay. I think there's a place for that. You know, I think it's it's okay to sometimes buy that bells and whistle toy. You know, I mean, once in a while, I do think it's okay. We're not all or nothing over here. And I don't think people should be one way or another or have really strict rules. I think, you know, you flex and you learn and you, you know, just sort of edit over time. Right. So being flexible and being willing to take on some toys that you might not love, especially if they're gifted from a family or a friend and they're not something you would have picked out yourself, but at the same time, they might find a place in your house. 
Absolutely. I mean, for sure, over the years, there have been things that, like, I thought, oh, are we keeping that? <laughs> and we have. And you know what? I was wrong. I'm not, you know, like, they used it a ton, even though it wasn't necessarily something I would have chosen. And so, yes, I mean, I think it's just keeping an open mind and, and trusting your kids. And if it doesn't work, then editing it out. Right. And giving yourself the opportunity to do that because you can donate it and you can find another family that it will fit with and another child that it will bring joy to. And sitting in the back of your closet somewhere is not doing any of those things. Correct. For anyone. Right. Absolutely. So what sort of gifts do you give other kids for birthday parties and holidays? We tend to do um, books. We have a great local bookstore. So for the older children, we always give a gift certificate to our local bookstore. And then for Sloan's friends, Ron's friends, we tend to do art supplies. And by art supplies, I don't mean like a kit. We don't necessarily, not like the kit that you, you know, you use it once, but we would probably do something more like a really nice set of markers and a pad of like good thick paper or watercolors with some nice watercolor paper, something that they can use over and over and it can grow with them instead right. of as opposed to the sets that you just use once and then not don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I love that idea because it's also consumable in a sense that you get a lot of use out of it and you don't feel guilty throwing it away or recycling it and getting rid of it when right. you're done with it as well. Yep, so it doesn't feel that clutter like you do with some toys that you don't know what to mm -hmm. do with once your kids grow out of them. Yeah. Cool. Art supplies. That's a good thing. I'm going to put that on my list for birthday parties. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie. This has been great. I'm going to put your link so people can follow along on Instagram and your website link as well. And you have a gift guide, right? I do. So I have a gift guide up. Um, and in it is basically you can see we put on our gift guide everything kind of that's in our playroom are things that we would welcome into our playroom. Some of it is done by age, but to be honest, a lot of the open-ended toys are great for all ages. So yeah, you could definitely check that out. Great. And I think anyone listening should definitely look on Instagram and see Lizzie's play space and see how our kids play because they, I think what you have is so, I think when you see it, when you see the kids engaged in the pictures and you see how the things work together, it's so much easier to envision how it might work in your home. It's harder when you're just on a website looking like, oh, well, this looks like these blocks and these blocks, but to actually see kids engaged mm -hmm. in playing like this, I think is really great. So I encourage everyone listening to take a look Thank and you. sort of see the stuff in action. Yeah. We love to share on Instagram stories because I think it really helps people see the materials in action. Yeah. And it's hard to envision as adult, an adult because as adults, we don't have that sense of fantasy and ability to pretend play like our kids do. Mm -hmm. I wish we did though. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing today and for sharing what you do with you know parts of your life or watching your kids play because I think there's so many of us who can really gain from that process and to envision a different way for our own kids and our own families sometimes. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to have been here. Thank you. All right, Lizzie, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you have questions or comments, leave those for me in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 135. If you've enjoyed the content on Simple Families, I encourage you to leave a rating or review in iTunes. That helps this show to reach more people. And if you want to stay in touch, the best way is to leave your email address on the website. Go to simplefamilies.com and you'll see a spot for that at the top. That's going to put you in touch with all the latest on the blog, the podcast, and in the community. Thanks for tuning in.